Welcome back to a new episode of the Third and Long Football Podcast. I'm Aaron Hook. This week, Sam and I had the opportunity to sit down and interview David Dininger. David is a cameraman who works for Prime Video uh, doing the Thursday night football games. Uh, he works Notre Dame football games. He's a part of NBC's crew as well. Uh, and he was also um, with NFL Films for a very, very long time. David has filmed uh, numerous Super Bowls, um, a bunch of NBA playoff games. Uh, any big sporting event in the last 15 to 20 years, David has probably shot it. Um, he's one of the most sought-after camera guys in the business. He's seen some of the best moments um, and greatest highlights uh, in recent NFL history. He's the son of legendary Philadelphia sports writer Ray Dininger, who covered the Philadelphia Eagles for more than 50 years. And so David is a guy that we were really, really honored to have a chance to sit down uh, and interview on this episode of the Third and Lawn Football Podcast. Preceding our, ep- uh, our interview with David, uh, Sam and I did bring in Aiden Doherty uh, for kind of a shortened episode, um, uh, you know, more of a normal format. We went over some of the best games uh, of this past week and uh, looked forward to next week's matchups. So we hope you all enjoy this newest episode of the Third and Lawn Football Podcast. Let's get to the interview. David, it's a pleasure for you to join us tonight on Third and Long. David is a cameraman for NBC Sports. He's a freelancer with them. He also is a cameraman for Amazon Prime, former cameraman for NFL Films for 20-plus years, filmed multiple Super Bowls. David, thank you for joining us. And, Dave, let's start off Super Bowls. What is your favorite moment that you've ever filmed? No doubt the Philly special. There's no doubt, no nothing, second, third, fourth, fifth place. It is that, and that is it. Every other game, um, you can't get too psyched out by a game. You can get excited when your team's in it. So I was really, really excited the two times that the Eagles were in Super Bowls that I've shot. Um, but yeah, Philly special was definitely the greatest moment uh, of my career at NFL films uh, as a camera operator. So David, I-, I understand that you had the ISO camera on Nick Foles during this play. Yes, um, I did. So what was that like? Um, if you can retell it, because obviously there was the moment where he walked over to the sideline, um, got the call from Dougie P and then went back into the huddle and, and, and they ran it and he obviously dropped <laughs> the touchdown and you were, you were filming him the whole time. So, so what was that like? You, you, you kind of almost not tune everything out, but you, you hear things that you usually don't hear. You know, when it, when a, when a quarterback goes over to the sideline, I mean, you guys have heard play calls, you know, you know, 80, right. You know, all kinds of numbers and phrases and everything. The fact that he walked over and just said, you want to do Philly, Philly. That kind of was like, made me stop and think like, Whoa, wait a minute, what's this? And then when he got into the huddle and said, Philly special, uh, didn't know what, what it was, didn't know what to expect, but I'm, I'm sure glad it came with its own name. So nobody had to name the play. So for you, be an Eagles fan, how did you remove your bias of when they won the Super Bowl and when you were filled them in the Super Bowls? It's it's not as hard as it sounds to uh, be able to go to a game and, and turn it off. You do really turn off your emotions because you are there to do a job. And um, I feel to do a job to the best of your ability, you you can't be a fan. Inside, you could be a fan. Uh, you can't show any emotion. You just got to go in there and, and do your job. You can't get too excited because you may miss something. Um, 
you know, there's times where you're shooting a coach and sometimes the coach's wires are a little bit boring um, because you're not, you're just following, uh, you know, a guy walking up and down the sidelines. When you're doing a player, at least you're, you're shooting action and keeps you in the game. But when you do, a, when you do, um, you know, I've done a couple of coaches where you, you kind of are paying attention to the game, you know, kind of keeping one eye on the game, one, one eye on the coach. You know, the coach may say something, you look in your viewfinder and the coach is out of your frame. So you, it's coaches wires are probably the hardest ones to do just because of the concentration levels higher than if you're doing a player in the game, because the player in the game is he's in the game. So it keeps you in the game. So I, I also know I, um, that you are in on the coaching interviews beforehand right before the game correct me if i'm wrong oh uh, no i have nothing to do with those oh, really? uh, the only time yeah the only time i'm ever you know in in with a coach or or standing with a coach is when we're putting the mic on and you kind of just uh okay you know kind of just introduce yourself um you know training camps are one thing you usually you go up to the coach's office you know with the audio guy and my sound man and uh you know, we'll put the mic on and, and, you know, introduce ourselves and, um, you know, basically let them know where we're standing and all that. Uh, but yeah, the coaches, I mean, coaches know coaches are cool about it, but I've never been in like a, you know, production meetings with, you know, NBC. Like when you see, you know, when you hear on Thursday night, if you're watching the bears Panthers game in Chicago, um, you know, you'll hear Al or Kirk say, Oh, so we were in a meeting with, you know, we were in a meeting with so-and-so this week. You know, that's, that's, those guys, our producer, our director are in those meetings. Uh, the camera guys aren't in those meetings. So speaking of Bears Panthers, um, you're going to be there on Thursday night, correct? Yes. So let's, let's kind of dive into what your week to week schedule is because it's all over the place. All uh, over. You're going all across, you know, all over, uh, who knows where, uh, you're catching flight after flight after flight. Like, <laughs> what does if you didn't give us any sort of structure, like what does maybe a Monday to Sunday look like uh, in the life of, of David Dinger? So Monday, uh, this past, like last night, I did the Sixers game for NBC Sports Philadelphia, uh, where I was under the basket doing a handheld camera. Um, got run over last night by Tyrese Maxey. <laughs> um, helped up by Tyrese Maxey. Apologized to by Tyrese Max. He's a great kid. He's he's a great kid. Um, but Monday I did uh, I did that for NBC Sports Philly, and then I had off today, so uh, me and my wife and daughter, our other daughter's away at school, so uh, we're getting ready to have dinner in about forty minutes or so, and I have a six a.m. flight tomorrow morning to Chicago, where I will land in Chicago, drive to the stadium. We will finish setting up cameras, you know, on the field level with the two double-headed carts. And two cameras in each end zone. At about five o'clock, we'll fax our cameras with the truck, make sure everything's working. Six o'clock, we'll leave the stadium, uh, go back to the hotel. Usually, you know, have a have a beer or dinner with some of the guys, and then we're back at the stadium at noon Thursday afternoon. Do the game. As soon as the game's over, we strike everything, pack the trucks. We're usually out of the stadium at about two a.m. Then. Uh, Friday morning, I'll wake up and I'll fly to Indianapolis, drive 40 minutes to Purdue to do the Big Ten Purdue-Minnesota game on Saturday. 
fly home, land in Philadelphia at 1030 Sunday morning and be at Wells Fargo Center at noon for a Sixers game. 1030? The airport to the center in an hour and a half? Uh, yeah, well, I, I land in Philadelphia at 1030. Okay. And then I'll just go to, I'll drive right to Wells Fargo Center. You know, it's 10 minutes from the airport. It's a packed schedule. And then, uh, and I'm trying to think if I have anything uh, Monday or Tuesday. I know the Flyers are on a road, are on a pretty long road trip. So I don't think they're back for a little bit. So for you, how do you decide and pick a what games you're going to shoot? I don't, I don't decide. It's all decided for us. This is my last weekend of a, of a crazy schedule like this. Or next weekend is. Uh, you know, this weekend we've got Thursday night, and then there's guys on our crew that go do the main Big Ten game at 7.30 on Saturday night. There's some guys on our crew that go right to Sunday night football, and there's four of us that go right to the secondary Big Ten game, which is Saturday afternoon, or that's our normal Notre Dame crew. So this week we're Purdue. Next week we go from Baltimore on Thursday night out to Notre Dame, and that's our last Notre Dame game of the year and my last college game of the year. So, you know, for for this podcast, it's it's mostly pro stuff, but I wanted to ask you about the Notre Dame stuff because you know, you're you're filming the NFL a lot. It's the highest caliber. It's and we'll get into more of it, you know, with NFL films and all that. Um the cinematography, the the equipment is top top notch. But at the college level, you know, especially in a place like, you know, South Bend, Notre Dame, the history there, what's it like being down there on the field um, on Saturdays where, you know, the culture there is is so, like, it's just unique, isn't it? It's fantastic. Um, it's it's College has some of the greatest traditions in sports. Notre Dame with the gold helmets and touchdown Jesus and coming out of the tunnel with the, with the helmet shining and the fight song and the leprechaun. Um, you know, my, my camera is right down there in that end zone. I'm right next to the tunnel when they come out. Um, it's great. Uh, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm fortunate to do what I do. Um, there's a lot of people that, you know, would, would, would trade spots with me in a second. And um, I just find it very fortunate to do what I do. Um, I love it. Uh, I, I just got my confirmation for Olympics in Paris. And um, yeah, it's, it, it really is. Yeah, I, 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 I love what I do. I love the people I work with. Um, it, it, it makes it a lot, a lot, a lot of fun to go to work. So when, when talking about that, um, you know, your route to, um, being a camera guy on the sidelines during all these games, not very traditional. Um, you don't have to go into the whole bad story because I know you've, you've talked about it a, a million times. And, you know, for those listening um, who maybe don't know um, your background or, or, you know, what your dad means to the city um, and you growing up in the city, um, just kind of, if you give, even if it's a brief version, how you went from, you know, being um, raised by a guy like your dad who had such a big sports impact on the city, um, you maybe not wanting to exactly follow that path and then kind of changing directions. Yeah, I, I was never, uh, you know, told to do anything or guided any certain way. Uh, you know, both my parents were, were huge in the sports. I mean, obviously you guys know 
you know, my dad, my mom, uh, you know, loved the Eagles. Was a noted was a uh, uh, Eagles cheerleader. Um, it, you know, it was just in my it was just in my blood. And uh, you know, I went to college and thought I was going to follow in his footsteps. And things happened. I ended up in culinary school, and you know, one day I had off and ended up at Temple's football facility one day at a practice and was asked if I wanted to start working in the mailroom at NFL Films by uh, a guy named Craig McEwen, who was in the back of a van downloading film. Uh, and I, on a whim, I said yes. So it was the greatest decision I ever made. I thank God every day that I had off from work that day because I don't know what would have happened if I was in making soufflés and somebody else was offered that job. So, you know, you mentioned that you wanted, you wanted to be a chef. How did you make the decision that, you know, you get this once in a life opportunity to go to NFL film, but was it an instant decision or did you have to think about it long and hard? No, there was no thought. There was no thought about it. As soon as he asked me, he's like, Hey, I need, I need somebody to take my job in the mailroom. You interested? I went, yes. And immediately, well, I mean, I answered that question before I even met my dad and the crew on the, on the field. So I walk out and I said, I think I just got a job in the mailroom. And he said, uh, he said, what are you talking about? I told him the story and he goes, I said, what do you think? He goes, do what makes you happy. If it's going to make you happy, then do it. You can always, you got your degree, you got your culinary degree. You can always fall back on it. Never, never, ever, ever thought it would turn out like this. I really never thought it would turn out like this. And for you working at NFL films for all those years, we've talked about filming multiple Super Bowls for you. Do you have a favorite moment at NFL Films that is not a Super Bowl? Uh that not not even at a game? Sure, we'll or, do that. I would say just the relationships I had with people that that I worked with there that are not there anymore or not even uh not even um you know, around anymore, uh, you know, have passed on and the relationships I still have with people there. Uh, Steve Sable was one of the greatest bosses anybody could ask for. Um, he treated everybody with respect. Uh, the guy that, that I owe, you know, everything to Hank McElwee, uh, was our boss in the camera department for years, gave me my chance to, to start shooting. Uh, and just, the relationships you have with people there, uh, the people that I respect there, um, it was a great place to work. Uh, unfortunately, I left there in 2009 uh, to go on to other things and, you know, still shot for them up until last season. Um, who knows? I, I could even shoot for them on on, an, on a Sunday off coming up. Uh, but, yeah, the people that I met there, the relationships that I have with people there, uh, it was really a great place to work. So with NFL films, you know, I, I think you've said this as well. The cinematography that they have, um, just the way they tell stories of games is kind of unlike any other any other network or any other platform. Right. Um, from a football fan's perspective, because you're obviously a huge football fan, you know what the fan is going to appreciate. Um, what do you think they kind of do differently? Because talking like our audience, just people who love football. What do you think kind of makes that difference with NFL films, the way they present highlights or uh, stories or, or whatever it may be that really captures a football fan's attention? I think what the one thing was 
you know, you go back to years ago in the seventies when they were making, you know, NFL films, crunch course or hardest hitters, all that's been taken out of the game. But the one thing that's still left that NFL films does better than anybody else is the cinematography mixed with the music mixed with the writing. Um, and it's three different aspects at a place all brought together in one. So somebody goes with the footage, they write a script to it, and then they go into another edit suite and lay the music down to it. And I think when you put all those together, that's what makes them different than everybody else. Teams now, most NFL teams are using the same equipment as NFL films, and they're wiring up their own players. Problem is, they don't have the writers or the music directors that NFL films does. So uh, I think they'll always have that one step above everybody else in putting all three together. And so for you, you know, you shot so many games, you know, as personally New York fans, he's a Jets fan. I'm a Giants fan. Could you share the Odell story that you have for us? <laughs> so uh, it was a Sunday night game. Uh, it was at the end of the, it was end of a quarter and I was feeling ill and I ran to the bathroom. But after every quarter, what we have to do is we have to take the memory card out of our camera and hand it to a runner that gets, goes downstairs with it and feeds the footage back to NFL films in South Jersey. So I said to our, my, my assistant, I said, listen, just hold on. I'll be right back. And I turned off my camera and I saw Eli walking towards the bench and I knew that he wasn't going to run another play in the, in the quarter. So this was my time to, well, sprint as well as I could to the bathroom. Um, got back in time as they were basically breaking the huddle. And I said to my assistant, I said, listen, I'll give you the card as soon as this play is over. So I reached up, grabbed my camera and I hit the record button by accident. And when I hit it, I didn't know I hit it. I put my eye to the eyepiece and saw the red light, but hit it again by accident. And on comes the green light, which means it's not recording. So I hit the button again, green, red light comes back on, and then this catch happens. And they said they're going to review it. And I go, you know, I was sick before the play. Then I was really sick after the play when they said the catch is good. It's a touchdown. And you start seeing things on Twitter that it's the greatest catch anybody's ever seen. And I sat there and you got to own up to things. You have to, um, you know, I immediately at the next TV timeout, you know, I gave the card to, to the runner and they ran it downstairs and I called, you know, the producer and I called the guy that takes in all the footage and I told them what had happened. They said, okay, no problem. You know, this stuff happens. And, uh, and it got taken care of, you know, they, the way they cut it, the way they cut it and laid it down the music, you would never know that I was that I had been sick and 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 you know basically stopped the camera in the middle of the play. So so you got so you got the ball in the air right before he caught it, correct? I got the I I got the basically I I cut the the camera cut at the snap. Okay, but I was okay. able to get the I was able to get the throw and the catch. Yes, so, that's all. Yeah. So for you, what angle were you at when you were shooting that? I was on the 50-yard line on the club level. So that's like the main – that's the main top camera. It's a pretty nice angle. Yeah. That's a pretty nice angle. And for you, you know, you shoot from all different angles at all different games. Do you get to choose where you shoot from? Or are they assigned? No. no. You uh, 
they go in the meetings, um, especially for films, because you always have a top guy on the 50 and he's usually next to right next to the network camera that's doing the game, whether it's Fox, NBC, CBS. Then the ground guy goes, the ground guy can go wherever he wants on the field. But the top guy is assigned a spot. And when you do a wire, when you have a player mic'd up, um, that gets done through the stadium, through the team, and says, okay, NFL Films, your wire spot is here at the camera location, the bottom of section, Club 22. And you go to, you know, there's usually like a like a cutout piece in, in the seats where you can set up, and it's it's usually pretty good. It, we, we always have pretty good spots. I, I, it seems like a pretty good spot. And for yeah. you, you know, you've spoken – to us multiple times in classes and told us about the 2020 season. What was shooting in the 2020 season like? Because I was watching from my couch that season. Yeah. Uh, it was strange, you know, because I, I I did all the sports in empty stadiums, um, football games in empty stadiums, um, you know, flying to Detroit and flying to Minnesota and being in an empty stadium and, being in an airplane with four people and being in a hotel with three people and, you know, wearing masks everywhere and, you know, then doing Phillies and Flyers and Sixers when they weren't allowing fans in and it's just you and the players. Uh, it's, it's something that I can honestly say that when my grandkids ask me, Hey pop, what was it like to be, when, when that pandemic was happening and there was no fans allowed in the stadiums? I'll have a story for them. It was different. The traffic was fantastic. You'd have to worry about traffic after the game. True. And uh, yeah, and the and the, the the travel was crazy because there was, like I said, there was minimal people on planes. I mean, I I remember going out to Minnesota and I think there was maybe six people on the entire flight. I mean, airports were airports were empty. Uh, I checked into a hotel one time and asked. When was the last time somebody was in the room I was in? And they said March, and it was now like November, and it it was different. It was different. Crazy time. Um, I hope. Listen, I I've never lived through that before, and I hope you guys are a lot younger than me, and I hope you guys never have to live through anything like that. It's crazy. Um, I, I want to bring up another story. So, again, for those who don't know, um. Your dad, Ray Dininger, legendary sports writer in Philadelphia, especially, um, wrote the Eagles encyclopedia. Um, as, as a Jets fan, I have to, uh, I have to sit through every chapter of that book for, uh, for my sport in Philly class, but no, it's, I mean, it's great learning about just the Eagles are a historic franchise and you're an Eagle fan as well. So your dad growing up, he was always at the games. Um, and so you guys never had the opportunity to sit down, you know, maybe even crack a maybe even crack a beer and just watch. Well, a- he doesn't. He doesn't drink. Okay, he's, crack, crack, crack I think soda he's, pop. He's had one beer his entire life. No, really? Yeah. yeah. Wow. He's had one beer his entire life. I think. When was that? When was the one beer? It was on a. It was on a. Uh, he used to fly on the charter with the team because there was only like three sports writers that followed the team back when he started. And it was a uh, like one of those hundred degree days in Dallas, probably nineteen seventy six or something like that. And he got on the team plane and said he was so thirsty that he drank a beer That's because they give you a, they give you a bag when you get on the plane. And in the bag was a couple beers and a sandwich and stuff like that. And he uh, had this beer and then gave 
his other beer to one of the players that was in the seat next to him. Um, but that was it. I mean, he had a, uh, he had a sip of champagne at the toast at my wedding. He had a sip of champagne at the toast at my sister's wedding. And that was it. He, the story goes when he was a kid and my great grandfather owned a bar in Southwest Philadelphia, he used to go into the bar on Sunday mornings. And when my great grandfather opened up the, the bar doors, he said that the stale beer and the smell from the night before made him so sick and the smoke, cause everybody back then smoked. He vowed he would never drink and never smoke. And he never has. And that's a lot like me. I, I, I don't smoke. I couldn't imagine ever smoking anything. And probably in the last two months, I can count the amount of beers I've had on one hand. You know, I'm just not a bit, I'm not a big, I'm not a big drinker. So, all right, let's say you guys are sharing, sharing a couple coats then. Diet Cokes. Diet Cokes. Diet Cokes. Um, but you guys didn't even get the chance to do that until the 2022 season, if I'm if I'm correct. Yeah, the opener against Detroit. So I mean, again, like I, you're you're so unique because of again, not only who your dad is, but you as well. You, I mean, for years now, you've been going all over the place. You guys haven't had the chance to really get together, sit down in the same spot and watch an Eagles game. Oh. Um, but what was that like for the two of you to finally kind of just get the chance and and uh, tell them what your dad was doing during the game too, which he always did while covering the Eagles. He he, he literally was taking notes the whole game. He had his yellow notepad out and he was taking notes. Play. It was every play charted the whole game. It was weird because I think that, you know, doing the games on Thursdays and then Saturdays, I still, you know, I still kind of, the year before I was kind of pacing around the house. If I did like a Thursday night opener for films and was home on a, on a Sunday, I would pace around the house to where my wife is like, you already worked this week, sit down and enjoy the games. But I felt like I, you always feel like you have to be there. And, uh, and I had that feeling like it was an NFL Sunday. It was my first year really doing the, the Thursday night and the Saturday game. So to sit there on a couch on a, on a Sunday and watch a football game was was not really normal to me. And I know it wasn't normal to him because it's the first time he had done it since 1969. Um, so I think we both felt like, why aren't we there or why aren't we working? But we had a great time. It was definitely uh, fun watching the game with him. And uh, hopefully I'll you know be able to do it again soon once uh, the college season comes to an end here. So does your dad still take notes of every game? I'm sure he does. Yeah, that's the only way he, he told me. He goes, that's the only way I know how to watch a game. You go to a baseball game, and there's people in the crowd, you know, keeping score on their scorecards. So he said, that's, this is me keeping a scorecard at a baseball game. It's just the way he watches a game. He didn't chart my games. He just sat <laughs> in the stands and watched my games. So, uh, yeah, but to watch a pro game with him was uh, it was like watching it was like watching Einstein figure out a, some theory. <laughs> yeah, and in 2018, when the Eagles won the Super Bowl, you and your dad showed a very special moment on the NBC Sports Philly post game show. That you know your dad was always clear that he was a bias, but you always had that little fan inside of him. Can oh, you know yeah. about that moment. That was a moment I'll I'll remember forever. Um, you know just. You know, doing the game, you, you know, I was excited inside and not showing it. And then, like I said, when Foles went off the field and my assignment was done, I started to cry that they had won. And then I told him I was going to find him after the game. And when 
I got to their set and their security was like, Oh, you can't come up here. And the, the stage manager said, Oh no, no, he's, he's one of our guys from Philadelphia. He's fine. So they let me up. And so I was just standing there waiting to see him after they went to a commercial and Michael Barkan brought me on and we had that moment. And I think that, that emotion let out of him. Uh, that was the first time that he kind of let his guard down and showed everybody in Philadelphia that he's still that kid that was at Franklin field watching Eagles games. And there was still a bit of fan left in him. So I, you know, obviously the same to be said for you, you do a great job hiding it, but deep down you love the Eagles. So, you know, we are, we're a podcast that, you know, we record on Tuesdays. So we do a weekly recap. Okay. Do every day. What what are your thoughts? I mean, the game on Sunday, the Eagles season as a whole, they're eight and one. They're pretty good this year. They are good. Maybe not as good as last year, some will say, but you're eight and one right now. So, what have what have you uh, or just what what are your thoughts on uh, how they've been playing so far? I'm one of the people that uh, that they're playing well, but something still doesn't look right. Um, you know, and I know they've got more points this year than they had at this point last year, and uh. Yeah, Hertz is. I mean, this guy is 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 gutting it out, man. I mean, you could tell something's bothering him. Yep. Uh, I I was one of the people that when we got done the game the other night and we went down to the trucks to break down. Me and a couple of the Fox camera guys were talking, and I said, Dallas has to be getting on that plane right now. Going, how in the hell did we lose this game? They should have won that game. Because I I think listen, it doesn't matter if you're lucky or not. A win's a win, and you can get a win and go up two and a half games in this in this division. That's saying something, and you have to win. You know, you got to win. You got to win dirty games, and that was a dirty, ugly game, and they won. Uh, did you know, I? I don't know what else to say. They they so for you. They it out. What do you see the Eagles' future of the rest of the season hold? Well, this this next four or five games is really going to tell a lot. I think what you want is you want them in the last two games of the season. I believe it's against the Giants and the Cardinals. Maybe um, you you want to you want to be able to maybe rest a guy or two, um, maybe play him a half and get him out. It will be nice, but you got a you got a gauntlet coming up. I mean, it's not easy to go out to Seattle to play. It sure as heck's not easy to go out to Kansas City and play. Uh, you know, San Francisco coming here. I like that a lot more than having to go out there. I but... think for you guys that you're going to win the NFCs. I think that's a given. But I hope you're right. I, I mean, who's stopping you, Dallas? I think Sunday kind of probably, really probably wrapped it up, honestly. No, I wouldn't, no, I wouldn't say that. No, no, no. It's too... to come back in. It's not even two digits in the year yet. It's not even week 10 yet. You got to. It's a a marathon, man. It's not a, you, you, I mean, they could easily lose, you know, you lose, say the Eagles lose two of the next four games and Dallas, you know, wins three of the next four. Then you got to play Dallas in Dallas. And, but you guys have not been the greatest there. No. So it's, it's not over yet. Believe me, it is a long season and you never know what can happen. Hertz could take another shot to the knee. You know, you can lose a guy like uh, like a Fletcher Cox, or you can lose a guy like a Hassan Reddick, AJ, AJ Brown. I mean, look what happened. Yeah, look what happened to Goddard. Mm-hmm. Anything can happen. I mean, week to week, anything can happen. Like 
I know that our game on paper may not look like the greatest game this Thursday, you know, Carolina, Chicago, we might go out and the game may be 43, 42, and it may be the greatest offensive game anybody's ever seen. You never know what's going to happen. You never know. It's like, it's like when we do a baseball game, you go in on a Tuesday against the pirates, it could turn out to be a no hitter. So that's the beauty of sports. That's why you play the games. You never know what's going to happen. Sam uh, has a rooting interest this Thursday because uh, you yeah. know the, the Giants need the number one pick. So according to him, at least. So, well, I would, I would like, I mean, I would like Caleb Williams or Drake May. You know, I, I am a Giants fan. You can't tell already. Okay. I, 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 I just th- this season for me is probably the just, a, just a dreadful. Like everything has gone wrong. Yeah. So can, can I ask? Is there? Now I know you you hide the bias well from your Eagles fandom. Is there some Giants hatred that that you that you put to the uh, side as well? Oh, oh yeah, I mean it's <laughs> you know my my first is Dallas. I mean right. You grew up an Eagles fan. You, that's fair. You know it's it's you know for that it, it's the Mets, it's the Giants, it's the Rangers, it's the Devils, it's. I guess I'm not really a big Sixers guy, but Celtics, I guess. I mean, we could both agree uh, on hey, the Mets. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they are very, they're a very hateable team. You know, the way that their, <laughs> their owner goes out and spends a trillion dollars on guys and they still finish in last place. That's, that's yeah. the beauty of, of it, you know, but listen, I mean, everything works in cycles and the Mets are going to be back up here again and Phillies will be here, but, and you know, the Giants will be up here again, and the Eagles will be down here again. That's that's the way everything works. Everything works in David, cycle. David, I pray for times like that. I actually pray for well, times like that. It wasn't too long ago when that was the case. No, a few years ago. Well, I mean, no, I mean they your your guys won more Super Bowls in the last ten years than the Eagles have, right? So I'll put that out there. You, you, so, I did it. Listen, <laughs> I'm not gonna I'm not gonna deny that. <laughs> facts are facts. I got one more for you, David. Go ahead. Um, with all the places that you go, if you could pick one venue that kind of just, I don't know, stuck with you or just the one you like filming at the most or the one that looks the most pretty to you or something like that, I don't know. What's your favorite venue uh, that you've been to uh, for, for doing a game? Football? Could be any. Any. Probably <laughs> probably SoFi. SoFi. SoFi, SoFi. Oh, or, or, or Dallas. Um, have you been to Vegas? Yeah, that's very nice too. Right? Is that who? What is your favorite stadium in the NFL? Is it SoFi, Dallas, Vegas? Uh, well, I'm gonna outside of outside of Lincoln Financial. Outside of Lincoln. Yeah, probably SoFi or or Dallas. We. As we wrap up, we talk about venues. You mentioned earlier in the interview that you're going out to Paris this summer. Yeah. How do you get? How do they get to decide what you're going to shoot and what sports? That's all director's call. Um, the directors, you know, there's, uh, you know, the guy that I that does the Big Ten Saturday night games, Chuck Dalmeyer. He does the seven thirty uh, Big Ten Saturday night game. He does track and field, and that's I'll be with him. My Thursday night director, uh, Pierre Moussa, does gymnastics. The Sunday night director, Drew Esikoff, does swimming. So um, those guys are asked by the crewing, uh, by the crewers at NBC, okay, 
you guys, we need, you know, 15 camera guys for each venue. Who do you, uh, who do you want? And they go, they give their list. They go, okay, I'll take, you know, these 10 guys or these 12 guys. And then they go, okay, well he wants them. So let's work something out. Uh, that's it. You just get, you just get a phone call and, and assigned to it. All right, David, thank you much, so much for joining us tonight. I'm third and long. Go off to dinner with your family. Go spend some quality time before you have to <laughs> go and wake up for a 6 a.m. flight tomorrow morning. Thank you so much. No problem, guys. Uh, we are back from third and long after our great interview with David Dinger. I'm your host, Sam Prince. Alongside me is my co-host is Aaron Hook. And with us as our road radio sports department guest is Aiden Doherty. Guys, we had a great week of NFL football. Uh, for me and Aaron, it was not the greatest of weeks. Brutal. It was, it, who, whose week was worse? I would say, well, I would probably say the Jets just because um, Luso, the Giants losing Dale Jones and having to start Tommy DeVito. Well, I mean, sure. I mean, you can argue that, yeah, but, like, were you doing anything with Daniel Jones this year? No. No. I mean, yeah, it sucks that he got hurt because you paid him a, a boatload of money. Um, and now you're going to have to be absolutely in- unwatchable. I mean, at least Daniel Jones, every once in a while, he could, like, do something. Every once in a while, Dan. Daniel now Jones. you're straight up unwatchable. It's gonna be Matt Barkley or or, or, uh, Tommy, or DeVito. Tommy DeVito. Yeah, turn his mic off. Oh, you really think Carson Wentz should be on this team? Yeah, I think uh, Carson. Yes, might too. I did there? I think I think Carson Wentz would have been a. Uh, honestly, it would have kept you watchable. I mean, I would have tuned into the Giants games. Oh, why? Because it's Carson. Wentz. Because it's Carson Wentz. That's your like beloved hero in life? No, I'm not even a big Wentz guy. I was like the biggest Wentz hater in 2020. Um, but look, man, I don't know. I, I actually said it today, which is the hilarious thing. I said it to, I believe, just uh, Justin Locke. I want to say he's also a sports part member. I said, you know, the Giants should just go and sign Carson Wentz, and then like two hours later, Carson Wentz so, actually signed so, with the. And there was like no reports about him signing soon. So I hear a funny story. So Derek says to me today, Derek Jones, our road radio <laughs> department's station manager says to me is Carson Wentz that bad of a locker room guy that no one signed him no it happens literally a half hour later the Rams sign him yeah well again Stafford you know Stafford has had these injury concerns the last couple of years and for the Rams you know they're a team that started off looking like okay this could be maybe the Rams of a couple years ago maybe they could um, push for a wild card spot maybe be a 10 win team Uh, it's crumbled pretty fast for them um 20 to 3 they lose against a green bay team that was really as well i believe five straight losses for the packers coming in uh stafford did not play brett ripian got the start former uh, broncos backup uh and he is just your basically run-of-the-mill average not even average really uh i mean no offense but he's a very very He's a backup. Mediocre backup replacement level quarterback. And the Rams not blown out. Um, so, you know, I, I think it's almost a move out. Of, 
And this kind of plays into that whole narrative that is Carson Wentz just not a good locker room guy? Why is no one signing him? I mean, this is almost out of just desperation they're signing him, you know? And I think that's really what it was going to take for a team to sign him, just get into a point of desperation. <laughs> and I, I think the Rams have reached that, and that is why they're going to bring Carson Wentz in now um, to be their guy. But, yeah, the Rams uh, have lost three in a row. They're three and six. Um, At a it, point, we thought the Rams were going to be a playoff team. We thought they were, at the very least, it would be a cool story, right, that Stafford would come back and with Puka breaking out and Tutu Atwell finally getting involved uh, in a real way in the NFL. Uh, and Cooper Tuff coming back. They had a lot going for him, man, but uh, at a certain point, it, it you know, it's kind of just come off the, the, the rails now. Um, yeah. And that division just looks more than ever to be San Francisco's, even though they haven't been perfect, not even close to perfect uh, as well. Yeah, I, I honestly thought that the Rams would be a team where you're sitting in week like 12, week 13, and you're like, they can really get that seven seed, that six seed. But, I mean, it turned south quick. I mean, there was rumors in the offseason about Stafford's health, uh, just everything about uh, I think he had a neck injury that was very serious. And just what you and then Cooper Cup obviously going down in training camp is is never a uh, easy task to overcome. And then even when he's come back, he really hasn't produced that at all. And I just think the Rams as a team, it's a little very disappointing. Honestly, that Packers game was one of the worst games probably of the NFL season. And just from a perspective of, you know, the Packers didn't look even average, and they still and they got a blowout win. Yeah. Like I don't know what the Rams are doing. Sean McVay is one of the best coaches in the league, and I know he's got everything. Yeah, he's got some tough situations, and he contemplated retirement before, and I would contemplate it again after watching some of these uh, players (laughs) try to put it together. Okay, if you're Sean McVay at the Rams, do do you think Stafford retires? I mean, I just don't know how much left, how much he has left at him. And if Stafford goes, does that mean McVay goes? I I think so because I think the only reason that. McVay came back is because his core was still there. And I think Stafford was part of that core, even though he's only there for the one year in the Super Bowl and then obviously last year. But I think that his core is like the Aaron Donald, and he's been threatening if, retirement if, every year. And McVay goes, Donald goes, because he said, once McVay goes, I'm, I'm gone. I don't want to play for another head coach. Yeah. It's crazy. You know, we talked about that Super Bowl. You know, everyone was saying they sold their soul. Uh, they did made all these acquisitions. Von Miller at the deadline. Um, in, in a way, it's like it's almost played out in a different way, where now the core is just kind of falling apart. And yeah, they sold their soul, but I don't think anyone had anticipated that this was going to mean maybe the end of the career for Stafford and McVay and Aaron Donald. I mean, again, the last I couple think, of years there have been conversations about each of those guys retiring. It's crazy. I think McVay reti- quote unquote retires for a couple of years. And then comes back. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's obviously way easier to do that as a coach. Um, so uh, yeah, I mean that that could be some maybe just want to break, um, but we shall see. But uh, speaking of blowouts, there were a couple others this week. Browns twenty-seven nothing over the Cardinals. <laughs> they wouldn't even watch a snap of that. No, no. Like Rich. I don't even think they should have on red zone. It was that bad. <laughs> <laughs> that's when you know it's bad. Yeah, that's when you know it's bad. Ravens. Who do the Cardinals start this week? Clayton. Tune. Yeah, well, Clayton. Tune. You know who they're going to they're gonna start on Sunday? Who? Kyler. Kyler Murray. That's true. He is coming back, and he's going to mess up their tank. 
and they're not gonna get Caleb. I mean, that's that's a danger you have when you bring him back. Is is he knows he's fighting for his job as well, and if you know the worst thing you want to see in the NFL is a team that has nothing to lose and a player that has nothing to lose. I mean, he might likely be out of there no matter where they pick, honestly, which I think is stupid. Right. I think is if they have any other pick but one, he should stay. And even if they do, it's just the ACL kind of ruined that whole. Mm-hmm. But I think, look, you don't want to. He has a chance to win his job, and I think he's going to win it, especially because that locker room seems like a good locker room. It doesn't seem like a toxic place. And even though they they just had an ugly loss, I feel like they're headed in the right direction, with Josh, even with, with that Dobbs, bad record. I mean, yeah, no, we have, this game, we have to talk about Dobbs. We're, we're going to get to Dobbs in a second. Because he was probably the biggest story of the week. We will get to him in a second. The Cardinals were in every game. They were. They were in it. They, I, they, they at least played. They mean, didn't look like dead water. Darren has this team in a spot where I think Doc was right. I think they're a team that, yeah, they go out, they play hard, they compete. Uh, they're not a very talented team. They might be the least talented team in the NFL um, or close to it. They, they probably are. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, they have gone up against and, – and they've had a pretty tough schedule. I mean, they have had a really hard schedule, actually, now that I looked at it. Outside of the first two weeks – <laughs> Washington and the Giants, uh, and they should have beaten the Giants, obviously. But from weeks three till now, they've went Dallas at San Fran, the Bengals at the Rams, at the Seahawks, the Ravens, and then the Browns. I mean, that's a pretty hard schedule. Um, and, yeah, I mean, they definitely played hard for Dannon, uh, and we'll see what Kyler looks like uh, when he comes back. But speaking of the Ravens, they blow out the Seahawks 37-3. to Um but we have we have to talk about Joshua Dobbs. I think before the two blowouts that we all know happened this week, I think we have to talk about Josh Dobbs because mm-hmm. this man has done it twice now. Last year for Tennessee when they needed to win to get in, um, which they didn't. But and then this year with Minnesota picking him up or training for him at the deadline in wake of the Kirk Cousins injury. He has come in. Now, <laughs> Doc, this is a guy who studied rocket science in college. Yeah. This is a guy who comes in, does not take a snap in practice this week, and he has the entire playbook memorized. Not only that, goes out, wins the Vikings a tough game. All of a sudden, the Vikings, who we were talking about, oh, they're definitely trading Kirk Cousins. Absolutely. They stink. They're 5-4 and four now, all uh-huh. of a sudden. Um, and it their, is, their chances to make the playoffs might be above 50%. Yeah. Uh, you know, they may even win the division. Uh, Dobbs, his story is nuts. Um, it, it's it's honestly inspirational, honestly, because, you know, you see a lot of these backups come in a lot, and, you know, they don't always look perfect. But Josh Dobbs, there's just something about him. He's not, like, from a pure football standpoint, I'm not like, oh, this guy should be a star on another team, but he just comes in, and when he snaps the ball, I like think... he just kind of gives you a shot, and you're just like, I believe that this guy can help us win. I mean, I watched the Cowboys-Cardinals game, and he was just like, he's not going to be perfect, but every time he drops back, I have faith in him to make a play, and the funniest thing about the whole game was uh, on Twitter, I, I saw that he was practicing his cadence with the offensive line on the sideline, like... <laughs> and, and that's a big part of the game. Like that's five yard penalties, oh, and, yeah. and that's in like fourth and one situations where you're trying to get a free play. Well, like, look at the. We'll talk about the Eagles' name. Dallas yeah. threw them, themselves over with penalties on uh, their last couple drives. But um, you know, Minnesota starts Jaron Hall in this game, 
uh, he goes out with with an injury, and they're basically they weren't even planning on playing Dobbs really. Yeah. No. Um, and yet he comes off the bench. Uh, he goes twenty of thirty, one fifty eight, two touchdowns. Uh, I think the thing that maybe separates him even more, Doc, from a regular backup is is the way he can run. Um, another really good game on the ground for him. Gets into the end zone. We've seen him have bid runs this season. Yeah, uh, he they, it's a real element to his game that allows him not to just be a sitting duck back there in the pocket like a lot of these backup quarterbacks are. Uh, you know, if he's going through his reads, he's got nothing. He can escape and extend plays, make plays with his feet, and that's why I'm kind of with you. I I have faith in him mm-hmm. to really go out and and you know and we'll we'll we'll, we'll talk about Justin Jefferson and all that. Uh, when he potentially comes back and and Addison wasn't even playing right or was he? I forget. I maybe I I kind of see yeah, he that was, he was. that game. All right, so he was back. But Addison. look, everything everything is gonna start getting a little bit better for the Vikings when Justin Jefferson comes back. Brian Forrest seems to get more comfortable uh, with his defense uh, in his first year as defense coordinator over there. But everything is just starting to go. In, in the right direction for the Vikings, sadly, you know, Kirk Cousins obviously didn't go the way they wanted. But, look, they're going to be a gritty team almost where, you know, when you thought of the Vikings, the last thing he kind of thought was gritty. gritty. Yeah, and I think that that's what they're going to be. And that's maybe a team you don't – they're going to be like what the Giants were last year. Maybe a team you don't want to see in the first round is like a three seed. Um, say say you're the Lions and you I, run I into – I could see the upset of you the run into You run into the Minnesota Vikings. Well, who, even whoever uh, wins the South yeah. probably is not going to want to see them. And Because you, you run into you run into the the fast defense that Brian Forrest plays where he's always bringing pressure. He's not going to let you sit back and get comfortable. And, and you talk about how Josh Dobbs, again, look, we just have faith in him. I mean, he's, he's not perfect, but we have faith. And you, you pair that with a top – one wide receiver in the NFL, and you top that with the best rookie receiver right now in the NFL, you could say. And it, all of a sudden, you know, you put a couple pieces together, you, you let Dobbs get comfortable. Uh, Kevin O'Connell is one of the best play callers in the sport as well. Mm-hmm. So, I, I that locker room loves playing for him. Right? Yeah, I mean they, and then he's got to be up for coaching. You got to love you got the whole. They also have Brian Forrest on defense too. Yeah. Like it, it's just, it's a good locker room to have. It's a it's a culture that KOC built, and you got to give credit to him. Where your season goes down right away, you go three. Kirk Cousins goes down, and you're five and four. You're five and four. Yeah. So I think we have to talk about um, what happened in uh, New York football. I think we do. We will get to the Eagles because that. I, it was I'll a start great game and and we'll talk Bills Bengals, but uh, it was a depressing week for for New York football. So, for so Doc, reasons. as a Philly fan, who had a worse week, me or Aaron? Honestly, it's tough because I don't think the Jets are done, but at the same time, I think the Giants maybe had a not good week because Daniel Jones tore his ACL, but. You lost to a team that's also very bad, so you guys are getting up there and draft pick. But I'll say, I'll just say, Aaron as a Jets fan, just simply because if they win that game, it, I mean, it's looking real good for yep. the Jets' chances in the second half and ability to make the playoffs. And 
And and the same reason why I say it's bad, it's just the same issues overcoming the offensive line play. It's not even inconsistent. It's consistently bad. Yep. Um, and off offensive line play by the yeah. Giants at the Jets. You just have to feel That's bad. Awful. Because I look, Zach Wilson doesn't dodge any excuses to his play, but he. You have to think. Like, he, he looks at his first read, then he has to worry if the ball is going to get stripped out of his hand by and the time he gets to the second read. His first read, Darrell Wilson's usually double covered. Yeah. Because they have no they always else. bracket him. Because there's, yeah, there's they have no, no one, one else. else who can catch the ball outside of, you know, Tyler Conklin is a fine tight end. But and we, I mean, and he's not going to really make a big play. In the summer, when we talked about this, Aaron. Yep. But, but, yeah. but at that point, uh, I had faith that Lazard would be at least. Uh, Lazard, for a big dude, is maybe the weakest uh, contested ball catcher I've ever seen. I mean, mm. I mean, the dude just does not win consistently on the outside. For a guy who sits five and like two hundred thirty pounds, uh, he plays like he's a lot smaller than that. Has really bad drop issues. Like, like this guy will drop the ball in the biggest spot when you need him to make a damn catch. He just never catches it. Um, He's a good blocker, okay. Mm. You know, he Go play for the Rams. <laughs> yeah, like really, really, really. Uh, but we like, also thought Rodgers was going to actually play this year. Well, okay, but just sticking to the wide receiver room, you had Nicole Hardman here. He never found a role on this team, barely played. Uh, and then also Corey Davis just retires out of nowhere. So the Jets wide receiver room in July looked a lot better than it does now, where it's basically only Garrett Wilson. Uh, and even he last night. Uh, has uh, a fumble, uh, which he, you know, he he's a guy who does not really uh, give the ball away. Um, he has very sure hands, obviously, and he doesn't usually cough the ball up. So the Jets, last night, um, I mean, if they win that game, they have a legitimate shot at this division. Because Miami lost, Buffalo lost, and the Patriots lost. The Patriots are done. They're done. Um, they're done. The Patriots are done. But Buffalo lost. They're at five and four. Miami sits at three. If the Jets got to five and three, uh, they're right there for 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 the top of the division. They are right there, but we'll get back to Buffalo in a second. We do have to talk about the Raiders Giants game. That was probably one of the worst games I've ever watched in football. Well, I mean, what did you expect? Well, okay. Well, that's after what Daniel Jones. After Daniel Jones went out, what did you expect? They the, Tommy DeVito is is he's is, horrendous. He's, he's bad. He's, when the Jets and Giants played. Again, no offense, they, but just Tommy's a, a Jersey guy. He's so not good at football. Maybe he's listening. He's know. not good at football. Like, he's just not. <laughs> that's the thing. It's just like, as the Giants, that's why I said this just sign once. Like, they're just, they just can't go out there and start Tommy DeVito. Like, they just can't. Like, I don't, I don't care. Like, I know Daniel Jones went down, but. That's why you need to start, you need to start Bart, Matt, Matt Barkley, not at quarterback. I mean, he's what's not the Tyrod Taylor issue, dude? What happened with He'll, him? He'll, uh, it was his ribs. He had the, he had the chest, chest. ribs stuff. He should be. I think he'll be back for the Patriots. Okay, but I don't know if I even want him back that week. Yeah, because that's a big, that's a game. That, that's a big. See again, take. it's a, the same thing with Kyler Murray and the Cardinals. You don't want someone who's out there fighting for a job. Like I almost Tyrod want Taylor's fighting for a job. I like Tommy DeVito playing. Well, yes. this is the confidence that you know I was faced with when the Jets were about to go and Owen. Sits team, but they didn't. They ruined it. Uh, now, Sam Darnold was the quarterback for part of that. Joe Flacco was the quarterback for part of it. The quarterback situation with the Giants is way worse now. It's worse. Um, so you're sitting through a spot where, okay, do I really have to watch this every week? But at the same time, <coughs> your situation is almost a blessing in disguise because 
with Daniel Jones tearing his ACL, that you contract, never we never pray for injuries, but no, but that contract they gave him, oh, it's going to take a year to get back. The Giants, you know, if they land a top two pick, they're going with either Caleb or Drake May. I don't think it's much of a question. It's not a question, and we will know on by on January seventh what pick the Giants will have. And if it's number one, I may order the Caleb Williams USC jersey. So what if it's like four? Like, what do you do? Do you trade it? I, I I could, you, yeah, I, I think you would trade back and then take one of the tackles. I think you have the immediate. To. You would, you would, you would force someone to trade up for like one of the better edge rushers in the class, or maybe <laughs> I, honestly, I see, I keep seeing mock drafts where Keon Coleman, who I I like. But I mean, he keeps he climbing up, or or someone that's that gets greedy because there's always teams like the Falcons who take a running back, someone who gets greedy for Brock Bowers and wants right. to take him at four. I love Brock Bowers. If the Giants pick Brock Bowers, I would be no. very happy. Well, the top I three... would be very happy as an Eagles fan too because that would just kind of be wasteful and it wouldn't really help the top three the picks. Eagle, in... Help Giants get past like a team like the Eagles at all. Like that's the thing. Like like how like Brock Bowers is such great of a player. See, this is why the rich get richer. That's. Well, I think Bowers is less of a risky pit than someone like Bijan because, I mean, the running back position just yields itself to higher injury. Yeah, but honestly, injury. honestly, I kind of feel it. Like, but Bijan was kind of like a can't miss prospect. That's what I'm saying. Well, is Brock Bowers the say, level of tight say, end prospect that Bijan is running back? Oh, one hundred thousand percent. Brock Bowers. No, well, okay, slow down. Because no, because there was there's only been two can't miss prospects in my mind that that were running backs in the last. Yeah. Five years, Bijan and it was Saquon and Bijan. And, and Saquon. there's been some can't-miss tight end prospects, which one of them's Kyle Pitts. And I well, s- Kyle Pitts is in a system is, where— Is Brock Bowers a better prospect 1, than Pitts? 1,000%. I, so. I think Brock Bowers— well, you say yes, Doc says no. I don't think so. I think Ky- Kyle Pitts as a prospect was one of the best weapons I've seen. I, I He was in debates with Jamar Chase, who was one of the best wide receiver prospects we see. We're just talking prospect-wise, by the way. We're not well, talking about like who we want. But no, pro- no, no, no. before the giraffe, Kyle Pitts had a better pro- – he ran quicker than Bowers. He was taller than Bowers. You can line up out wide. Bowers, you can't line up out wide uh, if you want to at least complete a – like Brock put Bowers him in a p- winning position. He's the best college tight end I have ever watched. That's and you could make good. an argument that he's the greatest college tight end of all time. <laughs> Whoa. That is well, – that's something. Uh, and if you put him in today's NFL – where would you rank him? Because I know where I would rank him. What? Oh, You're done. What? Oh, I'd rank god. him three. Oh my god. Behind Kelsey and. Kittle. Wow. So I'm you, that so, high. So you already him. think right off the bat he's a better tight end than uh, Darren Waller. Yeah. Yes. Well, yeah. yeah Evan, yeah. really? I think I, I honestly think Darren Waller's career sadly. It's 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 it's, 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 it's dwindling. It's, yeah. It's not it's not dead yet, but he's got like a year left. Is he better than Dallas Goddard right away? Yeah. See, that's why I don't – like, I'm not trying to be biased as an Eagles fan, but I think the most underrated Eagle is Dallas Goddard, like, by a mile. I, I, I would because he is – when everyone mentions the run game, they never mention that Dallas Goddard is one of the I best would, blocking tight ends. He's not better than Mark Andrews. I don't know. They're pretty tight. Lo- Mark oh. Andrews is really good, dude. But, Doc, I think the most underrated Eagle is Lane Johnson. No, because he's not underrated. Like, everyone, knows, everyone, know, everyone knows he's a Hall of Fame right tackle. Or, uh, and if you don't, then – don't talk football. <laughs> what, 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 what about Swift? He's not. Dude, Goddard's a lot more important. The most underrated Eagle, 
What about like Reed Blankenship? I I think he because yeah, I he, he is he is. He's I mean we'll we'll get to it we'll get to it later when we talk about Eagles. But he, he yeah. he's let's talk he Eagles went, right now. All right, well let's let's start because there isn't a later. Reed it's now. yeah Reed Blankenship to me has just all of a sudden become. Like from an undrafted free agent last year who looked very good in the time where CJ Gardner Johnson was down for those four weeks, and the Eagles defense played very well in those weeks, and all of a sudden, I mean, you're just you're just like, is this guy like, do we have a star safety like brewing? And like, questions will be answered, but he he's consistently one of the highest graded Eagles every week by PFF and and all those those uh, websites that grade performances uh he's always up there he, he has i think three interceptions now um and he, he had a mass like he has massive play after massive play like big tackle that maybe he shouldn't be making but he, he's finding ways to make uh he plays in the box he plays up high like he does a little bit of everything and, and he's he's average or above average at everything so he could be a star in the making uh due to the fact that this is his first year like Starting and uh, yeah, he started a couple games last year, but this is his first year really getting the keys to the the defense, and then he gets to learn from some uh, veterans as so well. Guys, we talk about the Eagles game, Doc. Yeah, yeah. I want to I want to ask you this. You so, can ask me anything. I, I I'm I'm <laughs> full ready to be honest about this whole game. Twenty eight to three. So yeah. twenty eight twenty eight to twenty three. My bad. What were your immediate reactions after that game? After oh my god, we just beat Dallas. Let's go. It wasn't. It, it was wasn't more of a. Oh my god, we just beat Dallas. Let's go. It was more of a. I can't believe they almost lost that. It was. It was a team that they should have dominated that game from start to finish, and and their offense started to. And I have a big problem with the way, just NFL in general, not just the Eagles, but statistically, with two minutes thirty seconds left, first and ten, the other team is three timeouts. Like as an offense, you're like. Okay, let's just run the ball because that's what you're supposed to do. Yeah, no. <laughs> but you're telling me you we get three chances for Hurts to find AJ Brown, Devontae Smith, or anybody else. I'm like, I, I just don't know what the th- thought of that is, and it was a little sloppy. And the defense uh, needs to get cleaned up. But again, the defense—they they always show up at the end of games. But it's like, why can't we do this in the first quarter and just run away with the game for once? Because every game's been stressful. It's been the opposite of last year, where every game last year was, oh, game's over until the Washington game, which is our first loss, and then the week after that was the Colts. Like every game has been not a close win because sometimes we've been up two scores and they score at the end <laughs> of games. Like Washington has done that uh last week and and a couple i think the vikings the vikings also did it and i think a couple other teams but it's like why can't why can't they just pile on like they did last year but it's a long season and and at the end of the day you know you hear about the super bowl hangover all the time and they're eight and one and they really haven't played their best ball i mean they're finding ways to win and that's what good teams do but you guys the ugly wins you just get up you kind of like it's almost kind of good to see but it's not this wasn't even to me it's not even an ugly win it's a game that the Cowboys absolutely should have won. Yeah. They handed you guys and they, that way. They just shot themselves in the foot. I mean, the penalties on the last drive, uh, Dak stepping out of bounds on the two-point conversion, they just made too many mistakes. I mean, the Eagles— They just never make winning plays, which is just the weird thing no. about the Cowboys. And Dak has been actually playing very well. Yeah, no. It's mm-hmm. that It's Smart. that you're right. When they need to make the big play to win a game— they just can't do it's it. It's not even like the big play all the time. Like it's the small play. It, sometimes. Yeah, I mean, like the the simple like when Dak ran around, I was like, ah, we're down by, we're only up by three now. 
I don't know why he took the wide angle to the pie line. No, I mean, it's got to be for injury. Too. Yeah, like it looked like what Jalen Hurts it, looked like recently when he's trying to run to out. But, you know, for the Eagles, you guys have a gauntlet of schedule coming up. Which is perfectly fine because, I mean, if you take it game by game, which is what you do in the NFL, like as football fans, we look ahead. But in the <laughs> NFL, like you look at it game by game. Like you got the Chiefs on a bye. The Eagles are better than the Chiefs. Okay. Um, I think the Eagles are better than the Chiefs. Chiefs just really haven't looked at I mean, that they are, I mean, the Eagles are probably the best in the NFL. So, yeah, like well, the, the Chiefs, and I, then you face the Bills at home. It's like Doc. This is my thing with the Bills. Bills. I mean, we'll talk Bills, about them later, but like, and then you face the Niners at home, and then you face the Cowboys. Like, yeah, there's probably a loss in there, but at the end of the day, you're the best think, team going in I every game, except maybe that last Cowboys game since is in it, right. it is in Dallas. We'll, we'll talk about the Bills in a second. But with with you guys, I think you guys beat the Chiefs in the regular season. But I still don't want to play Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl. Oh yeah, I mean, uh, dude, if you can if you can like somehow send like the Jacksonville Jaguars to me in the Super Bowl, I'll accept my free Super Bowl win. Like with all due respect to them. I don't know. WP is coming for yeah. No. That would be a storyline right there. Yeah. That would be. But I just, like, yeah. Like, do I want to see you the Chiefs? your former coach two years in a row. Yeah, I know. That would be, that'd be wild. Uh, that would be some <laughs> crazy NFL script. It, but guys. the thing is, is that before we move on, I just I just kind of wanted to touch on, like, your point of, yeah, you don't want to see Mahomes, but at the same time, like, this is the worst offense the Chiefs have had since Easily. Mahomes started. Easily. And it's, and it, but they're, it's the best defense they've had since Mahomes started. So it's almost, but like I'm, I I will always believe that offense can click at any moment, no matter who's out there. But at the same time, it's it's like, uh, like you, the Chiefs can play some ugly games due to that offense being a struggle and that that defense being as good as they are. You know, good defense doesn't always shut teams out. Oh, like it, well, sometimes it doesn't matter. That, yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, you got to score points. You know, <laughs> you you do, but you know it's Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, obviously I want to see. Well, sure, he'll make magic happen, but you know, I, I, damn, like Rasheed Rice has been better. Um, Kelsey stays healthy for them. I, I, I just, and you know, they do have they do have more of a run game than they've probably had in the past with yeah. Pacheco. So I mean, you know, the Chiefs are a really good team. So are the Eagles. Yeah, um, I mean, if there was a team I wanted to see truly, like, like out of the top teams, like I honestly, I think I'd probably pick. I mean, I said the Jaguars, but honestly, with all due respect to them, I really don't think they have a real shot to make it. Like, yeah. like I think they obviously have a shot because they'll get in the playoffs, but I think <laughs> that there's multiple teams better than them, especially with the Bengals coming up. But I would love to see a team like the Ravens, honestly. Like, I think the Ravens are very good, but I think they have their mm, their mismatches in the, in the – in, uh, excuse me, the – Defensive back room, like the Eagles can really take advantage of their their mismatches up there. They they the Eagles stop the run very well. Like it's the one the Eagles defense has not been as key as they were last year, but they're still the best run defense by far. What about Miami? I think Miami is very flawed. See, I, I would Miami love to see Miami flawed. because the thing with Miami is you saw what the Eagles did against right. them, and obviously a Super Bowl you would uh, you know different planning. It's a Super Bowl you got two weeks to plan, mm-hmm. but. The Eagles like just stop their run game, and you force Tua, who, who I think Tua is still you know like borderline top ten, and, and he's fine. But if you force him into second and ten, third and nine, and you you force him to throw outside the numbers where he maybe isn't doesn't have the most zip on his passes, so it's it ability to get turnovers. And you play physical with with Tyreek and Waddle at the line of scrimmage, and and their job becomes really hard. Yeah. Because, um, you know, the Dolphins do a good job getting other guys involved, but it's like if you don't let them get free releases and use their speed, it's hard. Two is yeah. an accurate quarterback, sure, but, I mean, 
you know, you can game plan for for yeah. their offense. It is tough because the, the the Dolphins. The reason why I wouldn't want to face them, like I don't mind them in the Super Bowl. Like Super Bowl, you're gonna face a good team. So, um, and we're already talking about Eagles Super Bowl. I'm not saying Eagles are definitely making it, but I think they are okay. the clear they're, favorite. They're most likely but I think they are the, the clear favorite. But yeah. I also see like the Dolphins can make a game in one play. And that's just not what you want to see because you look at the Chiefs. And that's right. usually what you say about the Chiefs. The Chiefs usually are a team that can make or break a game in one play. But, like, Mahomes, I think, is not even, like, top 15 in yards per, like, attempt. Like, like depth of target. Uh, like, they just really – like, they, they are slowly marching down field, which isn't – which is fine. It's, if you score touchdowns, you score touchdowns. But I almost would bank, like, I would – if you if, if you can make the Chiefs, uh, uh like, bend but don't break offense, like, you would good. take that. These good teams like the Chiefs, the Eagles, the Bengals, they don't use all their good plays until the playoffs. Like, why are you going to waste a good play against the Bears or someone like that? <laughs> yeah. Bear <I>, strays. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. yeah. A, a, a lot of teams chat strays here. Uh, and, you know, next, do, do we think Taylor Swift's going to be. Yeah, is she going to wear Eagles stuff, though? That's, that's the, Dude, I, I, like, I already forgot about that. Like, I don't care. I, I, I hope she wears Chiefs. Are they still dating? Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I mean, well, why wouldn't she? I mean, she would wear Chiefs stuff, no? She's an Eagles fan. She's an Eagles fan. Reportedly. Okay, okay Reportedly. but I mean, like, has she always been an Eagles fan? Yeah, for like, well, she, I mean, she's, 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 she's heard about a, it in songs. She had, like, her one tour, at the, and then she was at the link and, like, got, like, an Eagles Super Bowl ring. But it's, yeah. like, it's not, I'm not, like, she's not sitting in front of her TV, like, living and dying no, like, like I am. Okay. But I mean, if, if it, she's I, really an Eagles fan. Is it, is it, is it she a bigger Phillies fan? I don't know. I think she's a bigger Eagles fan. But she did perform at the uh, the National Anthem at, like, the World Series in, like, 20, 2008. I mean, look. So, like, a lot of people probably might see that and think she's a bigger one. Yeah, you know, it's. It's win-win for the Kelsey family, obviously. Yeah. So, we'll see if that if that you know plays true. But um, let's talk about um, the Sunday night game as our last game of the, that we're going to talk about. Bills and Bills and Bengals, and obviously, well, first the storyline going into the game was you know Demar back at the same yeah. place last year. It was it was a cool moment after the game if you saw that yeah. he was just sitting out there. Yeah, you just, wa- it's got to be a crazy moment. Like you just like you're just like wow. Like I, eleven I like tw- ten months ago, I was. Right here, I can't like, even imagine what he was thinking. Like, just driving up to the stadium and seeing it. Like, it's almost like you're just scared. Like, oh, honestly, yeah. I'm almost like I almost. Feel, now he wasn't playing. Yeah, but I must have glad that he was because I feel like you'd be not in your own head because he's a professional athlete. He's been through a lot, so him just get back. But on the all, field also, he the night before he took out, I believe the medical workers that helped save his life. Yeah, that's yep. cool. And he actually has a scholarship I saw yeah, too. Yeah, he said he started a scholarship for each of them, which is all. I mean, he's such a good guy. Yeah. He's such a charitable dude. Uh obviously very grateful um for the people that helped save his life. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> so it was just kind of a cool scene. Bills and Bengals back in Cincinnati. Um, Bengals after kind of a weird start with Joe Burrow battling through the calf injury. Joe Burrow after week five, dude, is he's back. Out of I'm level. sorry, he's back. Joe Joe Shisey is back. Um, you can you can just see it now that the calf is getting better, and you know he still had like a heating pad on it when he went over the sideline or whatever. So it's probably not 100, percent but that ability that Joe Burrow has to evade pressure in the pocket that makes him like one of the special quarterbacks. It's it's coming back. You can see it. Uh, and, you know, I mean, T. Higgins has a big game after really kind of being quiet. Um, 
for, for the last couple weeks. And the Bengals win this game 24-18. to 18. Um, You know, I think Buffalo is probably the bigger story here just because while they've played good teams and they've lost to some good teams, they've also dropped some games that they should win. And they mm-hmm. just don't – they really just are – so far removed from the team they were two years ago when they looked like world beaters. And even last year, they came in as the Super Bowl favorites, odds-wise. And <coughs> they're just – they're far from that. Yeah. And they really are. And it's kind of crazy to see. I mean, it's just disappointing as a whole because there's a lot wrong in the locker room in a sense that – like, they're not, not – not saying they're beefing with each other. But, like, there's a lot of position groups I'm not confident in. Uh, I think their safety duo with Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer used to be a strength. I think it's now slowly weakness. turning into a weakness. You know, you all and, say that. and that's not like – and at the same time, like Sean McDermott to me was one of the best coaches just a couple of years ago. I think he's he, – he should be on the hot seat, uh, and, and I would look to move off of him because uh, it feels like the Bills always come up short when it comes to creativity, especially offensively. And I think that something they could use is Josh Allen with a quarterback, with a head coach, excuse me, that is very smart uh, when it comes to play calling, and and he can battle back and forth with him. And they need to upgrade their receiver room. They have a solid, like James Cook's a good foundation to have as a running back room, but they they need to maybe get something else. Like six times in this game. They're just they're just so close in every aspect, but. They almost missed – not their – like, their window will be open as long as Josh Allen is good, which will be a good amount of time. But they had a great defense with a solid offense with Allen and Diggs and, and an offensive line that could do the job just at least a little bit. But they they always just were, came up just a little short, which is what happened in this game as yeah. well. And it's it's always seemed like the Bills are on the short end of the, the stick almost every time. Again, the AFC East, you know, from just a Jets perspective, like, it was such a – it was such a um, bad loss for the Jets because, again, Buffalo seems to be having these issues. Now 5-4, and four, um, Miami lost. And so, you know, the Jets could have found a way to win that game. You know, I mean, the division is there for them. I mean, um, I'm looking at their schedule, though. If you look at the Jets, I mean. I mean, they got the Raiders, Raiders Falcons, week. Texans, and your next five. I know, but. Raiders I, are a new team I mean, under the, te- the Texans Pierce. offense is, like, good. Yeah, I know. Now, that's the one thing we didn't talk about that we have to. Dude. CJ Stroud, Stroud is such an effing baller, bro. He's so good. And he is completely erasing the uh, Ohio State quarterbacks can't do it in the NFL. Yeah. See, because the whole the whole I mean, I wasn't one of those people. I'm not saying just because the school he represented was the quarterback, but I was one of those people that was like, it's a little tougher for Ohio State quarterbacks because I mean, just in college in general, you run the one read offense where it's, you know, your number one receivers running around and then you just kinda <laughs> Look away after yeah. you could go on a run, but he look man, he's he's improved and and or not improved, but we've seen him in an NFL type offense, and he's shown everything you want to see. I mean, I, before the draft, I compared him to Justin Herbert. Like I see a lot of Justin Herbert in his game, and you you see a lot of it. And and honestly, I I can I thought his ceiling was Justin Herbert. I think his ceiling is higher than Justin Herbert now. I mean, <laughs> he could be. A All true. Right. He'd be a top five guy, top three guy. Yeah, I mean, you could shoot for the moon, honestly, with how high his ceiling could be, because he's just 
you know, he's smart with the football. He, you know, as a rookie, he's not turning the ball over at all. No, one uh, interception this year. Uh, and then he's he's firing lasers with zip over the middle. Like, usually rookies are afraid to throw over the middle in their rookie year, and he's throwing game-winning touchdowns over the middle. And everything he does has he, just been excellent. And, again, I, I think he can be a top, top five, top three quarterback pretty easily <laughs> by next year. Like wow. I, I don't think wow. I don't think it's because no, I don't I don't play the age game where oh you true. you only played for a year okay. so you can't be better than I mean he's uh, Lamar Jackson or all something. these rookie records yeah like legit like his name is at the top of a I mean single single game passing record yeah. for a rookie C J Stroud now uh he beats Andrew Luck's record from a decade it's ago. just crazy because man five touchdowns in this game I was a big Anthony Richardson fan and I and I still, you very still are but the thing is I just wish they were going head because they were they were the, the, when they were both healthy for those first four I weeks know. they were like it was it, it was, was like special it, they were both just going back and forth highlight play you're like wow this guy's a franchise quarterback and sadly Bryce Young's like stuck in Carolina where he doesn't deserve he doesn't die dodge any blame as well but it's a tough situation over he's there but <laughs> but he's been getting better but th- yeah that division though as the afc south quarterback wise it, it's beautiful i mean even especially if will levis starts starts balling oh uh, no will levis is why will why? levis has got the arm he talent what good game we're all like praising him i don't know about mm. he didn't he didn't play bad i mean the pitch at the end against pittsburgh is like okay you gotta throw it to the end zone so it's like it's gonna be a pit and uh whatever but I think Levis. I mean, his arm talent is pretty ridiculous. So if he if he figures a way to if he figures out a way to kind of put it all together, and I think he I think he does have a lot of good stuff in his game right now. I think the thing with Levis is he's a bit strong kid. He's got to start using his feet a little bit more to extend plays. Sometimes I think he falls into the trap of thinking, okay, I have this ridiculous arm. I can just stand in the pocket and just whip it. Yeah, he did that um, Kentucky a good amount. Yeah, and it's like it's like, dude, like, which is weird because he was literally not to call him like a running back, but at Penn State, like he was Taysom Hill, like right. so yeah, he he, he knows how to run. Uh, yeah, he's down to do it. Yeah, more. he's down to do it more. But um, <laughs> yeah, it was a good week of football, man. Um, lot of good games. Uh, let's let's see. Do we have a do we have a Sunday nine thirty game this week? Yeah, yeah we do. The Patriots. 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 Ed, Patriots. At Frankfurt. Frankfurt, Germany. Eagles are off. Stress-free week for me. Oh, okay. Eagles got the bye. Giants are... 425. Prime time against Dallas. Ugh. Let's go. Why is that... Tommy right? DeVito... Did does... they take them off prime time? It's Dallas. No one cares. It's Dallas. Does Tommy DeVito have a plan for me? <laughs> does Tommy DeVito... It's Dallas. Tom, Tommy DeVito doesn't have a plan for himself, man. <laughs> I mean, look, poor kid and all. It's a tough situation, but, oh, man, he is really bad. I've never seen a 16-point favorite in a division game. That <laughs> is crazy. <laughs> and especially in a, a Giants-Cowboys game. Oh, man. Like that, you, that's Tommy, Tommy DeVito becomes the that. next Tom Brady. Yeah. All right, man. I don't think so. All right, man. Let's slow down. Brock Purdy, it, uh, Brock Purdy and Tom Brady have ruined the minds of the youth with their, their quarterback expectations. Jets are uh, in uh, Vegas. I actually – I'm glad they didn't move that game. Everyone on Twitter was outraged, outraged at that sorry, game. Sorry, the Jets were the prime time. Yeah. yeah. I'm sorry. But he, they're they're probably America's game. Uh, yeah. We're Fox is America's game of the week. CBS, Lions, and Chargers, though. That's going to be a that's real a good, good game. game. Lions, yeah. Chargers, yeah. I, we, okay, before we leave. What do we think about the Chargers? Um, because last night, you know. You can't judge them off of last night. I get I'm so very low on that. Aaron, Aaron, I get it. The Jets have a top five <laughs> defense. But 
the Jets offense and the Jets team in general is just lost with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I I still am pretty low on the Chargers. Uh, they can't run the ball well. I love watching. Brandon Staley is <laughs> Brandon Staley is bottom five to seven coach in the NFL. Uh, I would they, I they would battle injuries because they have an old defense. Um, this, Joey, Joey Bosa. Herbert's such Herbert. A damn yeah, Herbert's been honestly not even as impressive as he. Everyone was. thought he would kind of take the leap to being like right there. Mahomes, uh, Burrow, yeah. Allen, and then Herbert. Just Herbert also was, drafted. Herbert if... was close, but he wasn't quite there. Yeah, he's. I think he's definitely like. I, I can't even say maybe regress is the word, but like he's definitely taking. Last a little, year a he bit played with back. broken ribs, and I think I think I think you're at the point where, look, Brand Staley. The fact that he's still on uh, the Chargers head coach is honestly impressive. <laughs> um, and I think and like he always a 500 career record as a head coach. Well, because they're always they're always 500 in the regular season. And then they just they blow they have horrible losses. Um, do you think the twenty seven nothing is like ruining Herbert? It's like sticking with him. Honestly, I think it just kind of not ruined the whole organization as a whole, but I think it, it ruined like the Brandon Staley era. Uh, like I like I think you 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 couldn't bring him back after I that. Can't be- yeah. I can't like, believe like I just that. don't know how you listen to that guy in the locker room after that. No, <laughs> apparently the players love him. Well. That's until that's until he gets fired, and we have a bunch of articles about how they didn't like him. By the way, so this is the last thing we'll talk about. Did you just, so this was old news? McDaniel's getting fired, but <coughs> did you guys hear about this players only meeting that happened before he was fired? So, so Antonio Pierce is the is the interim. And by the way, they said if he does a good enough job, they might just give him a deal and make. They him honestly him, should and make him the new coach. So they said that about uh, what was his name again? Um, I know what we talk about. Recent, dude, uh, Raiders what always find great interim head coaches. Oh yeah, uh, what was his name? Not uh, not Dennis. I forget. It's all right. It's uh, we'll, we'll, we'll <laughs> he was a Raiders He's the special. Yeah, he was after they fired uh, Gruden. Um, I forget his name. Yeah, me too. So, they were talking about this players only meeting they had with Josh McDaniels, right? And it was players and coaches. So mm-hmm. Antonio Pierce was in the room. And he brings up he talks he's talking to the team, and he brings up the um, two thousand. I want to say it was the two thousand eight. Yeah, it was the two thousand eight Patriots, who were undefeated. Go to the Super Bowl, they lose to the Giants. Obviously, yeah. Now, obviously, Josh McDaniels was a part of that team, and so after the meeting, uh, because Antonio Pierce used the Giants as an example, yeah. Um, for his guys, it's like okay, you know, you're never out of it. Team could be the best team in the world. Look what happened in 2008. Blah blah blah. Josh McDaniels didn't take kindly to that. He he pulls Pierce out of the room after blah blah blah. He's like he's like don't talk about the Patriots that way. Whatever. He's butt hurt. He's being a little baby. Um, the players hated Josh McDaniels. Yeah. They hate. They were celebrating when he got fired. And so. Word of McDaniel's being uh, a little baby gets back to Mark Davis, and he makes the decision like, okay, I'm going to go with the guy who's going to use an example to motivate these guys over the guy that is my head coach right now, and he can't even can't even sit there and watch one of his assistants step up and hype the team up by using an example just because he was involved uh, in the team that lost See, the Patriots. It's just like he still is – Patriots, like oh, yeah. in his heart. He, you know, he wants and he to never, be, he never. You know, changed. he wants to be the Patriots' next coach, which he won't. I you wouldn't know, be surprised. No, no, he's a terrible coach. Why? It's okay. gonna be like Mike Vrabel or something. That 
That'd be fun. Could you imagine? It's, it's not going to be. McDaniels is never going to be an NFL be? head coach ever again. He already coached Denver in the mid 2000s. Could you imagine? 2010s, whatever. He's a horrible coach. Could you imagine if the Patriots go from Bill Belichick to Josh McDaniels as their head coach? Yeah, I mean, that's. I mean, that's your dream. Yeah, see the thing Josh McDaniels I always knew was a horrible coach and when <laughs> when they hired him it was like all right yeah this guy's gonna be you know he won't be there for too long and and honestly God bless him because he He's a lot he of was, money he was second in the Eagles head coaching cycle I think <laughs> I th- I'm pretty sure it's between Sirianni and McDaniels wow. Um, I think they always kind of wanted Sirianni, but it still just scares me the fact that, like you know a move like that. What are the Eagles like today? Like is Wentz still the quarterback? Is probably which is funny. Wentz signed with the Rams today. Is Wentz still the quarterback? If McDaniel's is here, uh, you know Jalen Hurts is definitely yeah. Where's no, Jalen Hurts? Seattle, like he's like somewhere the to Texans. Like Jalen Hurts is probably a glorified running back somewhere. Yeah. Oh yeah. So thank God they didn't let my guy. Where's AJ Brown? That uh. That Apple Music playlist is fine. Yeah, you know, I do. I didn't listen. To it. I might. He, he listens a lot of old music. So Dodge is gonna. Yeah, I I already know you're gonna be like walking to class and put that on your bed. I am Jalen. I am Jalen. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Me on Halloween. <laughs> it was great to talk football with you guys. It was great to hear from David Dinninger earlier in the episode. I'm Sam Prince alongside me is my co-host Aaron Hook and. Thank you, Ada Doc, for joining us today, Rowan Radio Sports Department member. And I'm Sam Prince. Thank you, everyone, for listening to Third and Long. Yay. (laughs) All right, that's an episode.